Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit Simplecast.com. Full Service Radio. Good afternoon, good afternoon, and welcome to Full Service Radio. This is the Junctional Thinking Podcast, broadcasting live from the Lion Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Pierre Vigilance. Uh, My career has taken me down a couple different paths, and all of them have led me to one understanding, because coming out of academia, nonprofit work, government work and having been trained clinically in emergency medicine I got to sort of see and understand a number of different things from different perspectives so the single point of understanding that I've come to is is that health and health outcomes at the community level cannot be driven solely by health care and the health care industry itself certainly health care physicians hospitals etc are very necessary and important parts of our health but there are other elements to the making of healthy communities. Uh, Education, housing, economic development are just a few of those. And we've been really fortunate this year to have a number of great guests on with us to talk about some of those areas and some of those intersections. And today, I am particularly happy as we close out the year to have two friends of mine from um, New York City who are doing work all over the place though um, talk to you they they are remote I think it would have probably been too much to have them in the studio to be honest with you because between the two of them um, the the level of of mess and shenanigans, as I like to call it, with respect to our conversations, is high, high level. But uh, don't worry, Mom, you can keep listening. This is going to be fine. Uh, so uh, joining me on the, um, from the phone are um, Daniel Beer and KG Drysdale. Uh, gentlemen, are you there, or did you get disconnected? We, we are both here. We are absolutely here, and we're here to talk strictly business. And it's a pleasure to be on the podcast. Thanks, Pierre. Yes, thank, thank you, Pierre. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for both of you being here. Now, so, so look, we, we've come together to start talking about and working on a couple of different things that are community health oriented. But I, would, I think it would be great to open up with you both talking about how it is that you are in the spaces that you are currently in. Because KG, you're, I don't know if it's right to call you a tech guy who's got some play in the sort of in the surgical space. And then Daniel, you, you're sort of project management arts, you know, got a, a somewhat well-known hip hop artist out there under your um, sort of guidance right now, as well as a bunch of other things, but we're all, we've all come together to do the work that we're doing around resident services and using technology to engage in that. So I don't know who wants to go first, but just like a little, you know, very quick elevator how did you get to being involved in social impact work? KG? Kay, do you want to go first? Uh, yeah. Sure, yeah. And again, I think, uh, you know, what I love most about our conversations, um, you know, other than the mess and shenanigans, of course, uh, <laughs> is that the three of us come from, you know, fairly disparate yet connected uh, backgrounds. Um, I think, yeah, it's totally fair to say that uh, I guess I'm a tech guy, um, sort of, yeah, I guess, uh, coming off of three and a half years in the med tech space. Um, and in terms of, yeah, 
thinking about what led me down this path that I'm on now uh, towards doing more social impact work. Um, I'd say it's, it's been a long time in the making, but only recently have I, you know, really uh, sort of like, you know, headstrong, uh, you know, make my way into social impact work. Uh, but yeah, I guess long story short, I was in middle school and I knew that I loved science and I knew that I loved people. And so I decided I would become a doctor. Um, and this led me, you know, down a path, you know, big pre-med path. Uh, but then I also fell in love with economics and this is sometime in high school and then in college. Uh, I guess where I majored in economics, I did an undergraduate degree in uh, econ uh, at NYU, where I was, you know, allowed to both major in econ at the undergraduate school uh, business at Stern, and also do the pre-med track. And so what attracted me to, I guess, yeah, economics and specifically health economics and policy was this idea that you know, in addition to the help that I could potentially do as a doctor, working with individuals, uh, these individuals being patients, uh, there's sort of like this broader scope um, and, you know, potential to do good for not only just individuals, but entire populations, you know, through policy. Um, and so all those interests sort of you know, began to mold, uh, I guess, my, my current interests and work in social impact. Uh, and then real quick, I guess, for the last three and a half years, uh, I worked for this med tech startup called Surgical Theater. And for those listening, you know, I would encourage you to check out Surgical Theater online uh, to learn more about the technology. <clears throat> but in short, uh, it was a virtual reality uh augmented reality, uh, I guess, yeah, medtech software company. Uh, and we would take, I guess, medical imaging. So we started in neurosurgery. Uh, we take medical imaging uh, of patients and use that black and white, you know, MRI or CT uh, imaging data to create these three-dimensional uh, patient-specific models that neurosurgeons could rehearse their surgeries, uh, you know, prior to going into the OR, uh, they can rehearse their surgeries in VR. And, uh, they were also, yeah, we would use it with, uh, patients, uh, in consultation. So it was a great, you know, communication tool for these surgeons to have, uh, to, you know, basically bridge the gap between, you know, the very, jargon-heavy, uh, you know, world of, like, neurosurgical terminology and uh, anatomical uh, terminology and, you know, the layperson. So, yeah, that's that sort of brings us up to the present, the present day. Yeah. And, Good stuff. And I, think, and I think, you know, KG has been, for me, somebody who, right, I'm not medically trained whatsoever, but understand the value of health. And I think he's somebody who, given Cage, I mean, your experience inside of NYU, working with surgical theater, et cetera, et cetera, like seeing how the importance of actually translating these kind of highly technical things into things that us lay people 
actually know how to use is, is part of a broader impact thesis Absolutely. that I think a lot of these did the whole field mm. is just moving towards. So I just always appreciate your, your uh, willingness to take the time and build the tools to be able to do that. Very Thank good. you. That's a, and that's a, great, that's a great segue. Well said and a great segue into, Daniel, your, your space, which is, what is your space? How would you define your space? How would I define my space? Um, I, I mean, I think one of the things that you mentioned earlier is, is the power of culture. Right, and utilizing artists and different things that impact a person in their lives in order to better somebody's life. Right. Uh, I mean, you know, my background is a little bit varied. I think there's kind of the way I got into social impact work is kind of twofold. There's kind of my personal story, which came from originally from technology business and ended up working in Latin America in some of these emerging markets where I think a lot of the uh, the problems that need to be solved were pressing issues of what people kind of call impact, right, or our community development, and thinking about how do we use technology to, to do so. And so when I ended up coming back to the States, I had this lens, not just of financial return, but also of how do you build an ecosystem which supports people, and what are the aspects and, and kind of categories that you need to work with there. So there's kind of my personal story, but I also think, and this relates to KG, I mean, I think like our generation, you know, the, the, the much hated millennials, uh, or mm. much talked about millennials, like one of the good things is uh, there is something cultural in our generation that says, you know, financial return is not the only measure of success. And, and so I don't want to kind of downplay how much I feel like I've been affected by, uh, by the, the community around me and how uh, actually positive I feel about how many different people I see prioritizing some type of social impact mission and message. And so I think it's just really exciting to watch, and I feel like I'm just part of some type of movement and doing my, you know, doing my, my little corner of the world. So. And that corner of the world involves, as you mentioned, the, the art and culture piece of things, and you're doing some work. You just left um, Washington, D.C., where you were involved with the Sweet Green um, and Uber Eats collabos um, over the weekend. Um, are, you, are you able to talk a little bit about, about that, that work and how that blends into your other work with, um, with Mr. Kraft, for example? <laughs> Sure, sure. I'm happy to. So first of all, Marlon Kraft is a is a, an artist and an old friend of mine uh, who's from New York. And as part of his artistry, it's kind of a natural part of his artistry, is focused on different types of social issues um, and, and, you know, just improving the world. I think he cares about it authentically. And so we're always uh, thinking about how does he use his tools, namely uh, an audience, right? Uh, artists have an audience influence i think you know artists have something that's like the cool right which which i i think is a broad word but really defined as like when something is cool somebody uses their own personal willpower to actually go there and do that action right. and participate right. rather than somebody trying to force them into something right it's like if you're talking about something like uh you know one big issue is financial literacy in low-income communities you know, if you have like the financial literacy center on the corner and somebody's growing up somewhere and it's like they actually uh, care about certain things, but like, do they really like feel like to their friends, them going to the 
financial literacy center is like a productive use of their time where they're actually going to get approval? And I think the answer is no. But when you take an artist that says, you know, it's not cool to not know where your money is at. And you say, and this is the pathway to be able to do so. I think we have a lot better chance of actually getting kind of core important skills in the hands of people right. uh, who can use them in order to improve their own lives. So, so I mean, I think that's kind of a portion of the thesis that I, um, I, I noticed, you know, uh, kind of spanning both the social impact community development world, which is all about how do we figure out how to help people help themselves and what they were missing uh, that I think the other world of arts and culture could do. Um, and so, you know, my, my corner of the world is trying to figure out how we continue to integrate those, whether it's through program strategies, whether it's through kind of different types of convenings, uh, you know, just really trying to innovate on that because culture really matters um, in order to unlock people. The, the Sweet Green and Uri thing was really, really cool. Um, it was an amazing uh, kind of collaboration that they did called Real Food, Real Talks, which was focused on uh, in D.C., the first one in D.C., and it was all about saying how can we – uh, sit around a table, right? Where do you have your best conversations that actually matter around a table in a home with good food? How can we select people uh, that are relevant to D.C. in different spaces and have them talk about something that's important to the city? Uh, and so we had a host of conversations. One of them was about how D.C., you know, speaking of impact, has been a center for social enterprise. Right. Uh, historically and over the last three to five years as that kind of industry has grown. And how does it continue to foster that? because I think uh, it's really, really important. I think there are a lot of factors involved there. So we did that. From that to, you know, uh, the D.C. music scene, why has GoGo, uh, and for, you know, has it chosen to, has it not chosen to, not expanded beyond the city? Does D.C. as a creative culture, which is so strong locally, does it have a national brand like in Atlanta or New York, and should it? And what's the value of that, um, A, for the city as a whole, and B, for, the, I think, the people that are making the culture, um, which are, in a lot of cases, the low-income people who, uh, who need more economic equity. And so it was a whole host of different conversations, and I was just excited to kind of be able to bring some awesome people together in their communities to talk about it. Does that, that make a lot of sense? It does. Clear? It does. It makes, it makes a ton of sense. And just so that the listeners who just dropped into the show know that you are listening to the Junctional Thinking Podcast, broadcasting live from the Lion Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Pierre Vigilance, and today I'm joined by two uh, social impact um, influencers, um, KG Drysdale and uh, Daniel Beer, and, and we were just talking a little bit about their journeys to get into into social impact work. One KG through sort of the med tech world, and and Daniel more so through the through the arts and culture lens, is what we were just discussing a second ago. But you know, you just made me think of something when you talked about influencers. And you talked about the collaboration, and obviously Marlon being an influencer himself, and um, and the influencers who did the collaborative events with you last weekend was Sweet Green and Uber Eats, um, and I was with some um, some physicians recently, uh, some interventional cardiologists who were sort of going through cases, talking about the situations that they had with their patients, and something that really struck me as being as odd was well not so much odd it was just part of the commentary was that every patient presentation that they gave mentioned that 
this 50-year-old was in pretty good health and had XYZ situation come up, which required an interventional cardiologist. This 64-year-old who had been, who had, had no complaints or anything, had, was in quote-unquote good health, has a need for an interventional cardiologist. And it was almost, I wanted to stop the presentations and say, isn't this a bit of an oxymoron that we're talking about patients who need a major intervention to save their lives? Basically, these folks go in, place catheters inside the blood vessels that are in our hearts and to, to, to unblock them when, when you're having a heart attack. Um, but these people are being described as quote-unquote healthy and part of that is, I think, because mm. we don't have a very good, and that's a very loosely, it's a term we just throw around, oh, so-and-so is pretty healthy. Well, what does that really mean? And was it fun getting there, to your point about influences and whether or not we want to, just having, actually, another friend is with us today, um, artist Sierra Waters is here in the studio with us, and um, she was talking a bit about f- plant-based diets for example and who knows that it's a good idea to do that versus do something else and was it fun getting to that realization or did you have a pretty much near-death experience and that's what influenced you to actually do this thing for yourself or with yourself um Mm -hmm. so if uh, so i really tee that up as a piece about um influences and influencing and how Mm -hmm. we go about changing or what yep. your thoughts are, are on changing people's appetites for, literally and figuratively, the various things that go into social impact. Right. KG, do you mind if I answer briefly and then I... Yeah, I, go for it. Then I, I want to hear what you have to say about it. Um, you know, I think one of the, the, the things that's important to know is uh, the influencer, so to speak, is only one side of a cultural lens. Absolutely. So when you're taking a cultural lens, we're sitting there saying, who are the people, you know, that uh, are trusted uh, by the community that we're trying to affect? And how can we work with them in order to communicate something that we think would improve the lives of that population? So that's one side. I think the other side of it is, is the word culture is the behavior, the attitudes, the norms of a certain place, geography, population. And I think it's really just important for us to understand those things as well, independent of other types of uh, people who have a lot of Instagram followers or are relevant in a certain space. And maybe maybe we, even before, maybe even understand that before we get to the point of who, has, who, who can absolutely. we put in their way. Okay, sorry, go ahead. A- absolutely, and I think that's exactly the thing. But I think what happens in whether you're talking about community development strategies or real estate development strategies or any type of impact strategy is that we're not um, looking at a population through the lens of their culture. And it's a massive lever for us to understand why certain services get adopted, why there's adherence to certain services or different types of skill building exercises. Like these are all the problems in community development. And I think if we take a cultural lens, to understand why people do what they do, what they are affected by, what the historical uh, kind of precedent or um, not even precedent, but kind of historical association is around certain things, I think we'll have a much better chance 
at reaching the kind of the measurable goals that we're looking for. And so I just wanted to clarify that. I think part of the thing is not just about the influencer, but about understanding what does health mean to that person on the ground and how do we communicate to them? So that was just my point. I hope that makes sense. Very good. Cage, Tons of sense. Good stuff. Cage? No, for sure. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, along those lines, um, you know, especially now, uh, along the, yeah, Dan's point, or just continuing Dan's point about, you know, the influencer and the role that they play, I think, uh, you know, now more than ever, you know, 2019, soon to be 2020, uh, there are so many, you know, different channels to, you know, reach uh, individuals in the community. Um, and I think really, you know, uh, what excites me is sort of, you know, just the task of thinking outside the box uh, when it comes to leveraging, uh, you know, all these different, I guess, yeah, channels and, you know, spheres of influence, um, be them through the arts, uh, be it through, you know, technology, you know, to, to reach out to these, uh, as you mentioned, the quote unquote healthy, uh, you know, uh, patients who then suddenly need, you know, uh, an interventional cardiologist to come in and, right. uh, you know, fix them up. It's like, what channels are available to us, uh, to reach yeah, reach this population and, you know, encourage preventative measures that can right. know, prevent these major <laughs> interventions from happening. And can we intervene earlier through influencers, through the arts? Or um, through the home. You know, or through the home, yeah. The, you know, and KG, one of the things that we've talked about before is, you know, KG, you spent three years inside of a hospital. Um, and yeah. seeing a series of things that I think we all understand from the stats and from your personal experience should are, are preventable mm. and, and cost the system a lot more once they actually enter a hospital. And so, I mean, I think it may be relevant. One of the things that, that Pierre, that you and I and KJ have been discussing is how do we use the home, uh, you know, a residence Absolutely. Yep. As, as, as what KJ is saying, as a channel, right. right? As a channel to actually communicate with a person and and kind of push through different ideas services uh humans concepts capital um of different forms in order to make them healthier uh on an ongoing day-to-day basis rather than waiting to treat once disease or an issue has become kind of uh you know acute something that needs to be be solved right there and so it might be worth it to just talk a little bit about that if you want, or I don't know how much time we have, but I think that that to this point, like the thing that we've all been talking about, I think is really relevant. Yeah, I think that that's actually it's a good it's a good point, and we should just because I wanted to talk about sort of what you see. We're on the brink of a new decade, um, New Year's in twelve days or something at this point, and so looking ahead, um, I think that some of that home the home base conversation, the resident service conversation is sort of something that I was wondering if you were going to bring up uh, as you look down the road. So for for each of you, just as we wrap up this segment, um, what do you see sort of next? And if Daniel, you want to talk a bit about the, the home base piece, um, Cage, I don't know if there's any, uh, another, any other space um, tech wise that you see us moving into um, from a, from a social impact perspective and also really from this intersection between health and 
whatever it is, the living space technology right. or whatever. So, yeah. yeah. Well, well, first of all, I anticipate having a lot more conversations with you, Pierre, <laughs> in person with KG. Yep. Yeah. And, and we're, we're going to try to take some more time than we usually do because, you know, there's less shenanigans for like 40 minutes and then real progress for about 20. So we yeah. need to double that time. Each hour. So, this, so we need three hours yeah. to get an hour we need, done. We have to exactly. work on that efficiency. Yes. The uh, disjunctional thinking. Yeah. No, no, see. Just, are you just I'm trying to deconstruct my brand here. What are you doing? <laughs> but I do think that's, you know, part of that I, what I see come, just coming from a macro perspective is there's more conversation about this type of thing than ever before, and that's as important as anything else. Um, so, so I think just our conversations continue to our representation of that. In, in terms of what's coming in 2020, I, I really do feel that, the, you know, the home is a place of culture, it's where people spend a lot of their time and a lot of their day, and it really matters, right? It's not just a unit of housing. It's a place in which people raise their kids, in which they, uh, they kind of build their identity. And I think it, it uh, in a sense, aggregates different people. And so it's a way for us to kind of push, uh, not push, but transfer things, services, programs, capital uh, to a population that might need it. And I think as there's so much kind of affordable housing development out there. Uh, there's so much kind of real estate development that's going on out there. And we just want to use that as a channel to reach people. And I think we can bundle up different types of services, whether it's uh, telemedicine, uh, whether it's um, kind of creative skill building that uh, that leads towards better kind of economic opportunity. Like we know what we what what's needed from an outcome perspective. We just got to get more creative on how we get there. And I, I totally see the home uh, being uh, a place for us to be able to do that. So. Okay, Jenny, 2020 and beyond yeah. thoughts? <clears throat> 2020 and beyond, yeah. So, I mean, I guess, uh, yeah, part, so just to circle back, um, I guess probably the main reason uh, why, uh, yeah, I, my path or my journey that started out as you know, uh, sort of the, the pre-medicine, the, the journey towards becoming a doctor has switched uh, to a uh, you know journey towards you know I guess getting more involved in tech um, is is basically because there's so much amazing technology out there, and uh, you know just limiting our conversation to you know uh, the home for a sec. Um, there's so much great technology out there in terms of uh, you know, health monitoring, um, medical monitoring, uh, you know, chronic disease management. There's, you know, an abundance of technology out there that I think would help, you know, better bridge the gap between, you know, patients and healthcare providers um, and uh, payers as well uh, that, you know, for the most part just exist today as, you know, the occasional one-off, uh, you know, uh, annual checkup, um, right, until, as Pierre was saying, you know, uh, there's a crisis and, uh, you know, a major intervention needs to be made. And, you know, there's so little communication, so little transfer of, in, of valuable information between providers and their patients, whereas... I think going into 2020, and of course, currently there exists a vast array of 
technology that would help provide providers with more information about their patients and then, you know, provide patients with more information about themselves. And I think a lot of these technologies, uh, you know, smart home technologies, agent place technologies, they all exist, uh, you know, in the home or will exist in the home. Right. That's the big hope. Right. Absolutely. So this is good. I mean, I think and I agree with both of you. I think the home or resident-based services or access to the Internet of Things and the resources that that can offer us um, for a number of different opportunities, be they health, be they literate finances, be they education, whatever it is. Uh, I think there are a number of different opportunities that are out there that are being explored. But what I really, what really excites me going forward about the not just the conversations, but the products and the other concepts that we're pulling together now is that because we come from such different spaces, the diversity of our thinking is what makes the dish really different coming from us versus coming from rather than coming from um, from other places not to belittle those other places but if those other places are just different shades of blue then it's just a lot of blue on the page whereas we've got you know a few different things moving in that direction in in one direction but with different color palettes Um, and I think that that's sort of really huge and I really appreciate you both being willing to jump on the phone with me today um last time I'll be in the studio this year uh, but thanks very much and we've got to get you down into Washington maybe separately like I said just to avoid all the mess and shenanigans um, and uh, but you've been fantastic today it's, it's so, a package deal it's, it's a, a package, package deal, deal. Yes. yes you've done okay. great for 30 minutes and so I think that, that might be the limit of, <laughs> of our ability to I think that's probably exactly let's end on a high note before we you know I think that was I think that was the high yeah. note yes <laughs> <laughs> but thank thank you both very much for being on. You've been hey, listening you. to KG Drysdale and Daniel Beer on uh, the Johnson Thinking Podcast, which is broadcasting live from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. Gentlemen, have a great holiday, and I will see you too next year, and we're going to roll right into the next part of the show. back. This is the Junctional Thinking Podcast, broadcasting live from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. I am your host, Pierre Vigilance, and this is sort of me and the microphone at the end of the year um, doing a bit of a roundup slash 
close out, um, first of all, I have to give a very heartfelt thank you to all of the guests who have been on the show this year. We have touched on so many different topics and in only nine months um, now on show, I think this is 25, I think, um, it has been a wonderful, wonderful journey and I could not have done any of this without all those guests being willing on, on first asking, which is quite humbling, to say yes to coming onto the show, taking their time to meet me here in Washington and, um, and get on the air and have the conversations that we've had. Um, have to also, before I get into sort of some of the topicality of those shows, give a huge shout out to the folks here at Full Service Radio. Um, Alexia Brown, congratulations, recent graduate of the University of Maryland's um, public health program, um, who read my pitch about this and said, oh, I'm a public health student. <laughs> so it was such a great, great blessing to have her sort of be the person who was reviewing things. And, um, and Jack Inslee, of course, and the rest of the uh, full service family. Um, and the folks here at the Line Hotel, of course, as well. But uh, we've done a bunch of different topics this year. And I know in, in honor of um, Star Wars coming out tomorrow, this is the, the battle at the junction. Star Wars, the, the next episode that hasn't been made yet. But we've been on this journey um, and we've talked about a few different things. And so some of the, I don't want to say highlights because every single show is a highlight, but you've done some revisiting recently of this healthy by design notion some of the conversation we were having with Veronica Veya and Kofi Sl last week. And uh, Veronica was on a very early show as well, talking about how design has a major impact on health and health outcomes. We even talked a bit about some novel finance and um, investment opportunities, which were with uh, Eric Letzinger from Quantified Ventures and also with Javier Sade when we talked about um, the... Um, improving level at which we're trying to get purpose out of um, our investments so the convergence of pr profit and purpose um, but the impact investing side was really imp interesting with the social impact bond conversation um, with Eric um, novel finance ways for us to test to see whether or not there's an opportunity to get um, measurable outcomes with a good set of diverse partners providing services to address a particular problem that has some kind of an upstream impact on a downstream problem. And so obviously we love that uh, as a junctional thinking thought and we appreciate that as an opportunity as well for change. Um, Rock Brahman uh, came on and talked about mushrooms on the ceiling. That wasn't the name of the show, although we should have called it that. He was talking a bit about the, the, the situations where his students are coming from, where the, the ha homes that we were just talking about with KG and Daniel are the places where it's not just about... Um, you know them coming not coming to school for whatever reasons that we might think about it maybe that the home environment is one that makes it easier or better or worse for them to come to school and the instances we were talking about uh, with the mushrooms on the ceiling were related to uh, asthma of course and the situations with mold in the home but actually taking the time to leave the school and go with his team to see where some of his kids were living was an important part of that people element that Daniel was just talking about. And so not forgetting that piece of things. 
Um, a big shout out to Ernest Smith, um, the Nike trainer who came in to talk about influencing and, uh, and making his way through um, as a returning citizen and now a business owner. Um, Karen Dale and her conversation about innovating in the healthcare space. Um, another innovator, Monica Kang, uh, talked about creativity. Still another innovator, Gabe Klein, talked about smart cities. And then the, the one and only Samson Williams talking about blockchain and then not being hot sauce. You can't put it on everything. Um, the importance there of appropriate use of technology. Um, management and leadership skills uh, taught through uh, the lens of soccer by Peter Loge. That was a great conversation, as was the enlightening commentary from Rachel Dungan, who mentioned that, you know, as an, as a, as an artist, as well as a public health thinker, she talked about being a musician, specifically of being, a, I think she was a, she's a singer, she may be an instrumentalist too, but she said, you know, if you don't, you won't get to the second or third page of music if you keep getting stuck at the first mistake you made on the first page. You have to be willing to move through those mistakes and go through those to get to the second and third page and then come back and do it all again. We talked a bit about branding with um, Andre Blackman and brand building and diversity and inclusion and philanthropy with uh, Dr. Mady Henson from the Washington Regional Area Grantmakers. And are really, really happy to have been joined by um, a group that I'll collectively call the young executives, um, people like um, Danny Gilliam-Moore, um, who works with a very large cloud-based computing company that, that you have probably heard of. And if you checked out her profile, you know where she is. Um, Daniel Oconquo who came on the show with Taeja O'Brien uh, doing great work in their individual rights in the banking and the uh, community civic technology space. And then Bhakti Segal, um, Micah Early, Greg Dwyer, uh, Priyanka Surya, and uh, Daquan for coming on. Um, and I'm very, very sorry, Daquan, for blanking on your last name right now as I do this. And this is the problem with doing these sort of shout out slash thank yous is that you might forget something but just just blame it on my head not my heart there um so just that's sort of a bit of a rundown it's been a bunch of episodes if you are listening to this show you've listened to others um look forward to having you join me again next year the the notion of the skills behaviors and ideals that are junctional thinking is something that clearly cuts across all of these um, topics and into all of these conversations we've been having. Um, the five skills, behaviors, and ideals are, you know, to be sort of effective listeners and to become better at listening. So 2020, we should all endeavor to become better at listening, not only to ourselves, because there's that inner voice or inner voices that talk to us about what we should and should not be doing. And we know what those things are, but then also to those who are around us and evaluating um, what exactly is being said to us by, by those multiple different sources. But listening effectively is a very, very important communication tool. Learning perpetually and from all different sources. Um, too often, I think, we are in our particular spaces and we learn only from other people in our space when we need to be letting ourselves get into uncomfortable spaces where we don't know everybody and learning from people who have language to teach us that we may need to be able to move forward in our work and may be able to reciprocally provide them with some insight by teaching them some of our language. So listening 
effectively, learning perpetually, leading fearlessly is a third one. And leadership is something that a lot of people are afraid of. Um, people, you know, we've spoken to on the show said, you know, someone suggested that I take a new job or that I take a promotion and I wasn't sure that I was ready um, because I didn't think I had fill in the blank, dot, dot, dot. Reality of it is, is that there are lots of ways for us to lean forward into leadership opportunities and we should take those as they come to us because very often the people who are making the suggestions to us about them have seen something in us that we may not have seen in ourselves. And so taking that opportunity to move ourselves forward is important. The fourth skill, behavior, and ideal is uh, uh, partnering um, and being willing to partner outside of your space. It's sort of along the lines of the learning one. But partnerships like the ones that we talked about with the social impact bond groups or like the ones that Karen Dale talked about with the Medicaid managed care organizations or that Samson talked about with respect to the technology piece or the smart cities conversations. Partnerships are the key to us moving things forward and diverse partnerships in every sense of diversity, space, experience, socioeconomic, race, gender, sexual identity, etc. Diversity of partnerships and the people we partner with and listen to, those are all important pieces moving forward. And then finally, patience. The practice of patience, something that especially for those of us who have a ton of ideas, a ton of thoughts on ways to do things and strong opinions on how they should be done and when they should be done. Sometimes when we are told that something isn't right now supposed to happen, we can get dejected and decide that we don't want to do anything with that. We don't want to, we don't want to play in that sandbox anymore. And we want to p- take our bat and ball and go somewhere else. The key is, in all of these situations, is to evaluate whether or not we're actually practicing patience in those scenarios. Is it really appropriate for us to step away from that, or should we just wait? Um, One guest talked about putting something on ice for a minute, letting it sit. And sometimes you just have to do that, um, because it's the best way for you to be able to decide what should happen next. So, perpetual listening, effective listening, perpetual learning, leadership without fear, partnering with as many different and diverse people as possible in order to learn from them and you to learn to give to them too and the practice of patience those are the junctional thinking skills behaviors and ideals all of which we can level up on um, in various shapes and forms and look forward to doing that in the new year where we will be talking to a number of um, guests some old some new um, all impactful, all related to social impact and the, 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 the vast diaspora of opportunities that there are out there to do great things at the intersection of health and pretty much everything else. So thanks again for tuning in. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for uh, sharing the subscription information with your family and friends. And uh, we look forward to being back with you next year. Um, However you celebrate the next few weeks, do that safely. And uh, I once again uh, very gratefully and humbly thank you for being part of the Junctional Thinking, I don't want to call it nation, crew. I don't know, we'll just call it the Junctional Thinking movement. How about that? Thank you and take care. Thanks for listening to this program on Full Service Radio, broadcasting and recording from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. 
Full-service radio programming can be accessed live and archived on fullserviceradio.org. Our talk programming is available on most podcast apps like iTunes and Stitcher, and our DJ sets are available on mixcloud.com slash fullserviceradio. Full Service Radio features over 30 weekly shows and over 50 local hosts covering every topic imaginable. If you want to be a guest or get involved, email us at info at fullserviceradio.org. Follow us on Twitter at FullServiceRDO, on Instagram and Facebook at Full Service Radio. Thanks for listening.